Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Promoting positivity and inclusivity. You're listening to unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome. I'm Bishop Heather Shea of the United Palace of Spiritual Arts. Today, we welcome esteemed Akashic Records practitioner, Mary Medeiros. Please join me and my co-hosts, Reverend Dr. Jose Roman and Reverend Renee Rossin. What exactly are the Akashic Records? And, and, and what do we mean? What does the word Akasha mean? Yeah, this is the question that um, so many people ask, as I did when I came to the records. I did not know what they were or what Akasha or the Akasha was as well. Um, well, Akasha is a Sanskrit word, and it means primary substance, that out of which all things are formed. Um, so that's, you know, to start with that. The Akashic records are... Um, they're, um, they're like an experiential body of knowledge that contains everything that a, every soul has ever thought, um, said, or done over the course of its existence um, from lifetime after lifetime after life. I mean, it just continues. This, the idea is that there's this one soul, and we begin as a one soul, and then we incarnate or reincarnate. And there, there is this sort of spiritual imprint that um, happens in this divine realm known as the Akashic realm. It's a divine essence. It's a divine space, a divine, you know, it is not a real library. I think what happens is we, because we're talking esoterically, um, our third dimensional and logical brains want to kind of say, well, what is it? Where is it? Can I touch it? Well, no, <laughs> it is a realm and it has existed since the beginning of humanity. Um, it has been called, it, it actually was only called Akashic Records, I think mm, later on, like more in the 1800s, possibly. I know Madame Blavatsky, um, who began the Theosophical Society, um, she talked about the Akashic Records. Edgar Casey, apparently, I didn't know this, and I was following Edgar Casey for years, and Edgar Casey was accessing the Akashic realm. Um, and I came to discover that later, which was really interesting to me. So we have this ethereal divine realm that exists. And the idea is if we think of the Akash or Akasha, it's sort of this blank slate of essence of life force that started as this blank slate. And as humanity began to evolve, um, the, our actions, our thoughts, our experiences affect that realm. They become literally like an imprint. And each one of us has our own Akashic record with our own soul, our own soul's incarnations 
imprinted in this Akashic realm, in this realm, this divine realm. Um, it is, it is about it's light energies. It's the essence of life force itself in the form of light. So it's not spirits or entities as far as I know. Okay. That's my experience with it. Um, so that's the idea of, of, of the Akash, of the Akashic records. And, and where did that idea come from? Where did the idea for the Akashic records actually come from? Well, you know, they've been around apparently from since the beginning of time. And, you know, I have to also say that the way that I um, came to the records was not by studying the records. It was a calling probably as, and, I, I, and I'm sure Renee, you can add to this as, psychics or mediums or others who have worked with the Akashic records. Um, when we work in the records, it's a calling. It's a very interesting way that we meet up with the records. Are the records available to everybody? I may be answering other questions in here, but yes, they are. Anyone can, can um, access their Akashic records. Um, we can talk a little more about that um, later on what is important for that to happen. Okay. Um, so I didn't research the records to find out, you know, who started it, when, what, where. However, um, every religion apparently has its own sort of version of what the Akash is, the book of life from the Bible. Um, it's it, so the, so the idea of a realm that records in a sense, uh, our experiences and who we are as souls has it's it's throughout history and it's 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 just been called different things so where the idea began you know my answer to that right now would be god that's my own personal answer um source i love that and, answer. So, yeah uh, you, were, you were mentioning the bible and when i have this vision and other people have mentioned it to me uh, of the records you know I, i'm thinking like is there is this really big library someplace you know what what are the ways of records we think of these tangible books or manuscripts or something i'm kind of hearing source in the bible but 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 what is it does it visit does it physically exist somewhere is it more in the in a realm or spirit how how would you describe so yeah. you know is it this vast book, book library somewhere or something um no <laughs> um i imagine you know what's really beautiful about our time period today in our world is that we have science and spirituality that are, fi are finally shaking hands. Thank God. And, um, you know, the, the records are, are not a physical place. We could call it, you know, we, we, we've, we've heard there's this center of the universe that is the crystalline grid or the, the crystalline center of everything of where all light and all of everything exists. I feel that they're probably, you know, we have language that, can get in the way of interpreting these things, or we feel we have to interpret things. Um, it just is this essence that is exists. And I'd like to say here that the Akashic records exist inside ourselves. It's, you know, it is like what Jesus talked about, which is that we, there is not this God force that's out there up in the clouds. It, it is inside us. So we're accessing the divine. When we open our records, we are accessing literally the divine aspect of ourselves. We're speaking to the light essences 
um, of our our own soul's recorded history, we could say, including our experiences in the now time um, from an etheric, you know, this divine realm. Um, so, no, it, you know, it's not a library. Um, I think it's a great word, though, for it, because it's sort of where libraries are where we can find out anything and everything, we hope, about everything. And so um, it is a library, but it's a uh, it's like a divine library. And it's a, a divine essence. So I hope that answered that question. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Thank you. Mm hmm. Um, Shubhaya, I think you also had a question regarding, I think, masters of stuff like that. Masters, teachers, and loved ones. Who are the masters, the teachers, and loved ones? Yeah. So, um, so again, the I'm sure you know. Here's another thing that's important to know: that the Akashic records in the history of humanity were mostly accessed by. Um, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago by mystics and holy people. And as time advanced, we have been expanding as humanity. The planet is expanding. We know this consciousness is expanding. And as that's happening, we've heard a lot. We frequently hear, um, oh, the veil's getting thinner. We, we've heard that a lot lately. Um, and in a sense, I think it is. And Renee, I would love to hear what you think about this. Um, so we're able to access much, much easier beyond our third dimensional reality. And so the records are beyond 3D. We know that. Um, so the masters, so, so that being said, there have been different ways. I mean, Edgar Casey, the sleeping prophet, he did it in his way. He was tapping into the same realm. So for me, what I've studied, what resonated with me is I had studied um, with Linda Howe from, um, which I think Renee, you're familiar, you're familiar with her, right? Um, uh, the Center for Akashic Studies out of Chicago. And, and, and what she has been downloaded, we can say, is a sacred prayer um, to open records. And also uh, thus these light energies that oversee our records known as the masters, teachers, and loved ones. And when I started to um, read about this, I might, I just, I lost time. Everything resonated for me. So I was like, this is really very real for me. So the masters are, and these are light energies, kind of like Abraham Hicks is pure positive consciousness. These are the light energies that oversee our records. They protect our records. They protect the records of the world, of the, of the cosmos probably. So the masters are, they've never been human. And there are light energies that literally protect our records, the integrity of our records, I should say. Um, teachers are, have also not been, ever been in third dimension or human. And they are light energies that come in and out of our lives, sometimes more than once in a lifetime for different lessons or different um, journeys that we've chosen and experiences that we've chosen to have in a lifetime. So for example, if a soul has come and we find out through the records that a particular person, their soul incarnated into this lifetime to learn about self-love, okay? Then there'll be a teacher energy with them. And they're also within their Akashic records. They're holding the integrity of that individual's soul records. And they will um, assist them ethereally actually 
uh, in, in the learning of self-love, let's say, as an example. Um, loved ones of the third of the entourage, the, the light entourage, the loved ones are those who have been uh, human and, and, uh, and who we have experienced any form of love with in this particular lifetime. So it could be, you know, a, a mother who's passed or, what, you know, a loved one. It could be a teacher, anyone that we've expressed love with in any way, shape or form in a healthy way, obviously. And they will, they're also holding the integrity of the records and what is being sought when we're in the records from that individual, the clarity that they're seeking. So the loved ones, it's interesting. I like to say that um, the loved ones are not there like a psychic reading which is very valid and works where you're more in a direct conversation with whoever's on the other side. They're more like their energy, their essence is not the essence of, they're not going to speak to us the way we knew them in, when, they, when, we were, when they were alive with us. But it's more there, again, they're holding the, the goal, the, the integrity of the soul itself and, and the record. So sometimes I have experience where there will be an energy and I will share it. I'll say, I'm, I'm feeling a grandmother energy right now. And, and it'll have an essence of kind of like, um, well, with the palace, um, but it'll have a, a, almost a personality, but it'll have an essence to it uh, that, that the person will say, that's this person. And they're not there to chit chat. They're there to, um, they're there for to help impart what is needed for that individual for what they're seeking while they're in their records. Best way to say it. So that's who the master teachers and loved ones are, and that's who in the through the sacred prayer. That's who I call on for a person or for myself when I'm doing my own records, my own master teachers and loved ones, and they're invited. And the as when we open records, the you can I can I can feel the energy shift. There's a, a, it's just pure positive love, like I've never experienced. That's how I know I'm in the records. And, and, I, and, and I remember um, Linda Howe saying once, <laughs> and I love this. And she said, when you're working with clients and you finish a reading with them, if you don't fall in love with them, you have not been in their records. And I love that because, you know, what does that mean falling in love? Yeah, it's the falling in love that's way beyond human falling in love, right? I have experienced that and do 100% of the time through my work. And so I just love that. And I share that with everyone. That's how you know. That's how we know that we're working in divine or we're working with the all that isness is that we just feel love and our brains can't figure it out, but we just feel it. So, yeah. I was just going to comment briefly, and then Renee, I know the question, uh, is that when I first fell in love with Mary and we worked together, um, Mary has uh, produced and directed a program uh, at, at the palace and knows the palace. And the palace was one of those energies that came forth in my reading as, a, as an energy. It was a very powerful energy. So it's interesting when you're working in this world, it's, you know, I was going for my own reading, but it was like, oh, the palace is here. It's like, oh, hello. So, you know, so you've gotten to know the palace and oh so many in, in multiple dimensions in multiple ways so. well and the reason that that probably most likely happened uh was first of all the relationship heather that you have with the palace and your past history with the essence of the palace you know someone would say well you're saying a building was a was an individual in another life well the essence of 
the palace, I would answer yes. You know, that's why we can open, you know, I, I might be jumping through, you know, because I know some of what you guys are interested in talking about. So I might be answering some questions ahead of time. So actually, I'm going to wait for you to a- ask another one. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, Mary, you already mentioned the sacred prayer that you use to access the record. So I'm wondering if you can talk about that a bit more. Like, what is the significance of how one may get into the records? Like, what what happens through that? Well, I think with the sacred prayer is a couple of things are happening. We're summoning the masters, teachers, and loved ones, of course, with the permission of the person that we're reading always. You can't just, that's, that's very important. There's no running around opening people's records without them knowing about it or giving you the permission. It's a sacred practice. Um, so the prayer, it's, it's, it's what, it, what, it, what it's doing is it's basically opening that portal for the flow of that light. And, you know, part of the prayer is to, um, it, there's a summoning of the master teachers and loved ones. And then there's also, as a practitioner for me, I love the part where, you know, I'm, I'm asking that my own ego conscious is um, sort of set aside in a sense so that I'm not really, my ego is not going to be in, uh, so I, and it's, it works, this prayer when I do it. I don't have any interpretations during a reading. I'm just flowing it. And later on, when I close the records and there's a closing prayer, then um, then I will have, you know, when my ego comes back in, I'll go, whoa, that was tough or or, or that poor person or whatever. Um, and I have compassion. But, but there is there's none of that. The prayer sets aside that aspect of ourselves. It summons the master's teachers and loved ones. And then by using the person's name, their legal name is how we open the records because the idea is that our legal name or the name of a space or the name of, uh, let's just say spaces for now, it could be pets. Um, the idea is that how we're known is etched in the records. That's how we open Renee's records versus Jose's records because it's your name. So the name is named and part of the prayer is said quietly and part is said out loud. And, um, and that's, and that's how the records, that's how, what, that's what the prayer does. It basically is opening up the portal for that specific person. Mm-hmm. Great. And there's, there are other ways to access the records as well, right? Not just this particular prayer or, or is. I'm sure. I mean, you know, I don't know for me, this is what I'm, I'm using for me. Of course, my answer to that would be anyone can access their records. Now we can talk about what's needed before accessibility. Please, let's, let's dive into that. So here's the thing. The way that I came to the records was I didn't know anything about them, yet I did. But I didn't know I knew. So when I was, I, so number one is, uh, is understanding and having a relationship with the essence of divine or God source, whatever we want to call it. It's been called so many things throughout history. Um, that's you if you don't have that you're probably not going to access the records right and so um it really helps to the other part that is very important is that we have cleared or have in in a good perspective our own trauma or wounds and part of the work that i really valued to come to be a practitioner that I feel, you know, that I feel comfortable with being 
was working on my own wounds through the Akashic Records and healing my own wounds. It's really trans, they get transmuted into light, is the best way to say it. It's not, we don't look at our wounds and then stare at them and activate them and get rid of them. They're, they have value. And so I think that, you know, somebody who still has a lot of trauma in their, in their lives that they haven't worked out, they're probably not going to be able to access it. How do we know? You just know when you open the records, you just know when I first did it, first opened the records, I was hearing blocks of thought that were not mine and they were so amazing. And I began to write them and they just were amazing. It wasn't something that I was thinking. I know the difference between I'm thinking it or it's coming in. Now, I might be a better candidate for this because of my creative work as a director and writer, because I have an imagination. And in the beginning of my opening my own records, I questioned myself a lot. And I used to say to friends of mine who I would share what came through, do you think this is just my own imagination? And it was hands down, no way, you don't even speak this way. So, um, so can anyone, of course, anyone can access the records. And I think it is in any way. You know, somebody could just sit and meditate, of course. And if they have that connection with the divine inside themselves, not just, you know, it's not outside ourselves, inside that really strong connection and a kind of um, handle on our own past wounds and even wounds from past lives when we come to that. So, you know, maybe it's becoming a little bit more ascended um, than the records, then you can do it, I, I believe, in any way that is pure, right? Um, so that that's what I think, it's not just the prayer. I, I'm finding now that I don't even have to open, I don't even have to use the prayer and I'm hearing divine speak. And my own records, when I was studying the records and working in them, you know, with Linda Howe and her groups, I noted that they actually said to me in one of my own readings, Mary, you will notice that you'll be hearing without even saying the sacred prayer. And that has been happening um, like the last year. It's really cool. <laughs> Heather, you're so cute. Mary, I have a question that you've kind of helped us explore a little bit during this conversation, but I want to delve a little bit deeper into it. And that is, how do you know that you're actually in the Akashic Records? How is it that you actually feel when you're in there? Um, it's just, it's a very subtle shift in energy. Um, maybe it's easier for me to, to distinguish because I'm very, I'll, I'll just say I'm very third dimensional. I love sense of humor. I'm kooky. I really am. I write comedy. I'm, you know, uh, I like South Park. Oh my gosh, how outrageous, right? Things like that, right? So I'm very rooted in, in some way in third dimension. And maybe that's why it is easier for me to know, because when I do open records, for me, it's the intention of participating in empowering people in their own divine selves. I cannot tell you how much meaning that has for me because it worked when I discovered that about myself and everything opened up in my life. Things became easier because I've experienced that. Then, you know, I, 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 I just want everyone to know 
how easy it is actually um, to live life from that perspective of knowing that we really are individual, beautiful, powerful, and co-creative um, divine beings. So when I opened records the first time I did, I was hearing thoughts that weren't mine and I felt a different energy. I felt love. Now I do have to say when I was very little, I grew up um, in a Catholic family. And um, as I grew older, obviously with the work I'm doing, I didn't resonate so much with organized religion. Um, but when I was little, I remembered sitting in church, being really little, like first grade, second grade. And I remember feeling the dogma part. I didn't resist it. I wasn't a rebel. I just went, yeah, whatever. We, we come in with sins. I don't know. I didn't believe it when I was little, but I didn't worry about it. But I felt the presence of God. I'm going to, I felt the presence of God. I felt it. I felt something. And what's interesting too, for me is I majored in music in college and I wound up and I was studying Gregorian chant. Why did I, who studies Gregorian chant? Well, isn't that interesting? And I, I realized and I found out that one of my past lives was um, as a, um, a nun, like many, many years ago, um, a cloistered nun. And I actually was, my life was shaped by the nuns that I had teaching me. They were wonderful. I have good nun stories. Um, so um, my connection, my knowing that there is a source, a mastermind, an essence of love that has choreographed this, this humanity I had it at a young age, I just didn't know what it was called. So when I then was brought to the rec, when I was guided to the records, I'll say, um, I knew it. So when I first opened the records, there it was again. And I went, oh, not that I didn't have it, because I love people and I've been living, loving people in whatever I do. So that, it, you know, I just didn't step back to say, wow, wh what is this? And then when I, when I came to the records and first started opening the records, I could feel it. It's very subtle. You know, I imagine that many psychics and mediums have that. It's so subtle. It's like this slipping into something and you're just there. And as long as you don't question it, it continues to download the divine messaging to you or to that person through me. I mean, I'm just the sieve and it goes through. Hi, I'm Bishop Heather Shea at the United Palace of Spiritual Arts with today's very special guest, Mary Medeiros. All are welcome here. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. We now return to our open heart conversation on the Akashic Records. So Mary, you've talked a bit about um, when you're in the records, you're having a conversation with your divine self. Could you speak um, a little more broadly about what the records actually tell us about God or the divine or source? Like what, what do we learn about that in the records? Hmm, great question. Um, so what I continually hear from the records is that we are source. That's what I keep hearing. It is source is the all that it isness. It is the divine essence, the love, and it's love. It, it you know what what can we really call it that we can all line up with? It is love. 
That's it. And um, we, the records, you know, I've never myself opened my records and asked, you know, what is God? What are you? Um, explain it more. But what I keep getting is it is the essence of love itself. And it, it, it is, it exists, always did, began everything. And we are it. And that's what I keep getting. We are it. We are love and the essence of love, which is divine. And throughout the ages has been called God and Yahweh and all kinds of other um, terms. So that's the best that I can answer that question. I, it is that we are that. And so I don't get anything. I never get, I have never received any sense or feeling or have any knowledge from the divine realm that there's something separate. It is literally who we are. Beautiful. So that, that leads me to my next question of how, you know, accessing your records, being in the records, what you just spoke of, like, how could that affect one's life? Like what, why, why would you encourage someone to, to go into their records and, and have these experiences? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, so, you know, the, the records don't magically do anything to you. Um, what they do is they, we're meeting up with the essence of ourselves. And so because of that, it is pure, positive alignment while we're in our records. What does that mean? It means that, and and we bring our experiences to it. So, you know, people will be asking questions. Why am I always manifesting this? Or I'm sick of this, or I'm stuck. I don't know what to do in my life. You know, those are common. I mean, those were my questions, too, when I began to work in the records. Um, so what happens, with, it's amazing. Two things happen. First of all, it doesn't matter what we're speaking about in the rec- when I'm in someone's uh, records. It doesn't matter. Something happens. Transformation happens. Trans- transformation, maybe transmutation happens. Whatever the icky part that someone's stuck in, it just gets washed over with the light of the records. So that's one thing that happens. The second thing that happens, which I find, I love this part, is the records encourage through me as a practitioner, questions to the person who's looking for the clarity or affirmations. So what happens is question, not that the records ask questions, they encourage that person to think a little bit more about what it is that that they're looking for clarity about. So then what happens is that person themselves, they come up with the solutions in the records. It's beautiful. That's where it becomes self-empowering. So they're asking their own questions and the answers from the records, not the answers, but the thought forms that come through around the questions encourage more questions and, and more and more. And then all of a sudden, boom, something is different. It just happens. And so what do we get? We get clarity. We understand everything is an opportunity in the records. There's never any mistakes. Um, there are three absolutes in the records that, that um, are important, which is fear not, um, judge not, and resist not. And the records are an all-loving, as we've said, it's, it's divine essence. It's everything is good. 
there are no bad things. There's no, so when we bring our perception and everything is a perception and what trips us up and what comes through the records a lot are human perceptions are what, what kind of we get stuck in it. We have to be aware of them. And so when we're in the records, any perceptions of that individual that might be like, why did I do that? Or this is awful. I had an awful childhood, whatever. The record shot, they, they, they like wash light over it. And those same experiences that we perceived as stopping us in our tracks, getting in our way, they all of a sudden become opportunities and assets. And, you know, like, all I can tell you is that happens hundred percent of the time, you know, I could probably give, I can give an example if you want an example of one. Okay, so there was an individual who um, was feeling bad about a part of his life where he was, uh, he, he, refer, he referred in, in the now time as he was mad dog. He just had, and, he, and this guy is a shaman today. And, you know, and he said, I was mad dog. I was yelling at people on the streets. I hated homeless people. It was just this, you know, awful thing. His perception were in his records. As we talk about Mad Dog, we started to talk about the energy of Mad Dog, which was very powerful. Mad Dog had power. We took that power and the records just do this. All of a sudden, the power was brought into his life now as a shaman and it became transmuted. So Mad Dog became an asset, not and an opportunity to be more powerfully doing shamanic light work. It's just what happened. And it's like, that's what happens with all of our experiences. We can look at our experiences um, and it's our perception and the Akashic records show us hundred percent of the time that how we perceive um, negative, what we think are negative things are, are actually the energy of them. We'll say are actually our soul's choice in experiencing life in a way that will bring us closer to what our journey is at this lifetime. They always feed into it in some way. When we look at it through the light of the Akashic records, all of a sudden it becomes transmuted into opportunities and assets. So somebody who had a really rough childhood and now they're doing healing work, they're going to help more people because of that experience, those experiences that they had. So it's a, it's a like, you know, Oh, wow. It makes sense. It's like, we get, we get to go, Oh my gosh. Oh, aha. No wonder. That's another thing that happens. Well, no wonder I chose that family or this or that, because now I'm it's 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 now in my toolkit um, in my life that I'm here to live fully in a co-creative way. So, so Mary, speak a little bit more to us about how healing works when working with the Akashic Records. Um. It, it, it's kind of what I was, well, I can do, I could speak specifically, but it is, you know, just looking at any notes that I wanted to bring to this. Um, so for example, um, we become empowered. What happens is we, we become empowered and the actions that, so after we're in our records and we've brought, you know, we come to the records for clarity, affirmation, confirmation on things. It's not always like to fix bad things that we think are bad. Um, and what happens is we have inspired action 
after we're in our records. The inspired actions are happening because we're aligning during that time in our records, during those sessions, we're aligning with exactly who we are as divine essence and our soul's journey. Because the idea behind all of this is that our souls choose the journey. We're not, you know, on the other side before we come in and somebody says, well, here's the plan, take it or leave it. No. I mean, there are some people who believe that. I don't believe that. I think that the soul chooses and says, I will participate at this life. Like we're all here in this pretty crazy time right now on this planet. And what I know to be true is we chose this. We didn't choose specifically to be in New York or me in California, whatever. But, um, but every action that we take leads us back to what we've chosen to do. At least in the records, we find that out. We start to discover there are no mistakes. There are no, I shoulda, coulda. No, we begin to discover, oh, I did this and that now makes sense because of this and that and that. Everything comes, that, again, it goes into a groove. And so the healing happens from that. It happens automatically. And, and maybe we shouldn't say healing. I think it's clarity. We, are, we remember who we are. And when we remember who we are, we know what to do next. We, everything falls into its right place and space in our lives. I've had people come to me with, you know, where they had to shed some things or people that were around them but they come to that in the reading and they'll go, wow, that's not really benefiting. And because the, because the records will clarify what they're here to do. And you know, when the records show you what you're here to do, it's through you dialoguing, you go, whoa, as a, as a person in the records, I know you just go, whoa, I know this. I am here for that. Wow. And then when we close the records, that person will know, I think I need to release this. I think it's important for me to do that. Or that company I was going to form, form, it's time to do it now. It just, it's affirmation on why we're here. And so if we want to call it healing, that's where it happens. And putting those perceived traumas in the Akasha perspective, then we come to see that we actually have more power in our lives. And we realize we might have chosen those kinds of experiences because it's part of who we, it's why it feeds into why we're here. I'll just say that. And how does, how does it feed into uh, karma and also shadow work? It's, well, it's, yeah, interesting. You know, in, I think it might be a chapter. It's somewhere in, in my book that I had asked the records about karma. And, and what I've heard from the records is that that's a perception that there is no karma. Because karma implies... Um, stuff that's attached to you that you have to, and you're not, you have to play it out or get rid of it. Or um, at least that's, you know, in, in our world, in our third dimensional world, that's kind of how we know it. People throw that term around a lot. Karma implies something that you need to release or something that's still hanging around with you. The records don't call it karma. What they do refer to though quite often, is that our DNA never dies. We know that DNA is energy. And so our DNA from every single lifetime is still with us. So if we find out that we had a lifetime where we were um, a plant medicine, you know, healer, that's still with us. 
And so we can actually access, they want, I remember once they were saying in, um, I think it was in one of my readings that if somebody, let's say somebody has a diagnosis of cancer and they get it in this time, if they find out that they were, and they know they were living in another time period where there was no cancer and maybe no disease, quite often that was the case, um, that person can access that part of their DNA and ask for, by intention only, just ask for that part of their DNA to come forward and invoke that essence from that lifetime into your body. And it will not recognize the cancer, so the cancer goes away, becomes non-existent. Um, so karma, I think the records really, they talk more about past lives and DNA energy, and that we can have energies from lifetimes that we can access, we can harness, and and they will make sense when we are going down roads that are not benefiting us as well. So if somebody was a major warrior in some time period, and they were just really killing a lot of people, and maybe it was for the good of humanity at that time, it could also be not for the good of humanity. That person, that energy, we can we can access that energy, and some people would call it karma, but the records will call it, you know, DNA energy, and we can access it and then utilize it and, and turn it into an opportunity and an asset, so to speak. So it's not so so they don't really and shadow work well. So shadow. So the records speak of shadow as. Um, well, they don't speak of shadow, but in terms of like our perceptions of of evil, evil or darkness or shadow, and they just say it's simply lack of light. It's simply when you don't know you're divine. That's it. So when you, if you don't know you're divine, then the actions you take will not be of that. And we can look around, see that all over the place. And so to, that's why the records are so important today. If we can just remind people you're more powerful divinely than you realize. And when we feel our divinity, when we feel our divine connection to source, our actions will come from that. And that's where the shadow then has no place. Eckhart Tolle delves into this with the ego conscious, the collective ego conscious. And so those who feed into the collective ego conscious don't know they're divine. And the records basically say that's kind of what's going on. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Thank you. And Renee, Renee? So Mary, you mentioned um, that you were guided to the records and then there was this awareness that, you know, they were always there, but you didn't know you knew they were there. Could you tell us a little bit more about your story of how you, you came to be working in the records and how, how you were attracted to that? Sure. Um, I was working in, in, in the, I call it the trenches in New York at, the network, CBS, ABC, NBC. I was working in news and then I was working in soap operas and drama and moved through the ranks that way, like 30 years of that. And then came out to California to work on General Hospital, the soap, as a, as a contract director. So um, I, it's interesting. I have to say that all those years, I remembered it was very exciting. I loved it. You know, we who wouldn't be excited having that kind of a career? And that's where the Emmys behind me came from. I always felt um, it wasn't a fit and I didn't know how to release it. 
I didn't know what to do. And um, it wasn't very conscious. I'll just say that. It was just, I remember coming home after 14 hour days in studios and just feeling depleted, exhausted, and not knowing what it was. Like, what was it? I felt something. It was my soul. Now I know. And so, so towards, it was interesting that I, I wound up coming out, contracts changed, things shifted and changed. And I wound up not working at General Hospital, I'll just say that. Um, and it was different people coming in that now, in retrospect, they were very dark people. And I used to feel going in the building darkness. And I didn't know what it was. And I just stuck with it because I had a contract. So during that, sort of the end of that, when I backed out of it, I was sort of, I, went, I was back in New York and I was um, not sure where, where my life was going to go. And I remembered um, before I moved back to New York, I'd had a psychic reading with this um, fantastic woman and one of many readings that I had. And she said, there's a dude over your shoulder. He's really good looking and he's over your right shoulder. And I said, who is he? That's so interesting. And she said, well, he says he, he's been with you lifetimes and he's overseeing your Akashic records. And I asked her, what are those? And she said, I don't know, but that's what he says he does. <laughs> and then she also said that he um, was translating sacred geometry, sacred geometry ideas, I'll say, uh, into what I would recognize. And that would happen in my work because I, when I was working with actors, I would come up with things and the actors would say, where did you come up with that? And it would be really an exciting new way to do something. And I used to say, I don't know, it just came in. And I didn't realize what I was saying. I would go, just came, I don't know, it came in. And we would move on. So that was the first thing was that reading. I went home, I looked up the Akashic Records and it wasn't like it hit me over the head, but I, I was like, this is, I feel like I know this, but I, I didn't move with it. The second sign that I had was um, I was at a metaphysical bookstore that I frequented here in Venice, uh, near Venice Beach, California, the Bodhi tree. And I was in a back room by myself and it was, um, I don't know, there, there was a book teetering off the shelf above me and like really sticking out to the point where I looked up and I pulled it down and it was how to read your Akashic records by Linda Howe. It was that book. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take this home. And I, I went through it so fast and I started in that book opening my records. And that's where I started to hear things. And I was like, whoa, still said to myself, who me, I can access this. I was doubt, I was doubtful. And so uh, I went back into, you know, creating projects and this might've been around the time when I did that, pro did that shooting, the shoot at the United Palace Heather. Um, I think it might've been the same time period. So um, then the third one was on one of my birthdays, my very dearest friend put in a card enough, the, um, the, same, the right amount of cash to begin studying with Linda Howe and the Akashic Studies, the Center for Akashic Studies. And that was the third one. And, you know, you have a friend that sees that in you. She had read some of the readings that I was doing because I was just doing it myself and then sharing it. And she saw something and she said, I just really feel this is you need to be doing this. And it was the third sign. And I, and I, so I did. And it's like, I'm, what am I going to do? Give her her cash back? I was like, no, I'm going to do this. But as soon as I began to open the records and study more and heal my own wounds, work on that, begin healing, I should say, everything fell into place, everything. Plus, I learned 
by opening my own records, more of what I'm here to do. My records told me that I'm a writer and I was telling my own records, you know, I'd be typing, no, I'm not, I'm a director. Like I'm arguing with my own records. And the records were like, Mary, your records show you writing. And so I struggled with that for a couple of years. And then finally, it, you know, the, I, I released my attachment to no, I'll say it that way. And then boom, I was called to write a screenplay and it was the Mary Magdalene screenplay. And there you go. So that's what the records do. They remind us why we're here. We can bucket all we want, but we're always going to, somehow the universe will bring us back around to it. So I think that when I was guided to the records, I think what happened was all of those years when I felt not quite right, I'll just say that on some very deep level, and that's not to say I'm not, I'm, I'm working in the industry still, but it's different. It, it was, um, it was that I hadn't found, I wasn't doing the part of my life that I'm here to do, which is this. And so when we're not, we could be having fun working here and there and there, but we will know there'll be something that we just like, it's, it's hard to explain. It's not that we hate what we're doing. Cause I loved, I love what I'm doing. I love working with actors, but my soul was calling me for something else that my soul has chosen to do here. And here it is. And then it just sort of everything became more complete for me. So that's how I came to the records. And so my own experience is wonderful. It's what helps me when I work with people, because I'm not somebody who sat at the top of the Himalayas meditating for 40 years. And now I'm in the records. I lived life, made choices, had those weird feelings. I don't know what I'm here to do. All the things that now I help people with through their own records, I am an example of that to this day. And I think that's what is, I want to say nurturing. I feel nurtured by my work in a way that I never did. I'll just say that in the records. Mary, this has been such a rich conversation. And I know that we have a lot of listeners and viewers who are going to really want to explore the Akashic Records much more intimately. So can you tell us how um, some of our viewers and our listeners can get a little more information on the Akashic Records? So you mean like in general? I mean, you know, um, I mean, I, you know, I love it, Linda Howe's work. And she has three books through Hay House. Um, I think it's Hay House. Uh, so Linda Howe, there, it, you just Google search Linda. And it's, there's another Linda Howe of UFOlogy, Linda Moulton Howe. This one, th- th- that's not her. This is just Linda Howe, H-O-W-E. And she has three books, How to Healing Your Wounds in the Akashic Records, or what is it? Healing Through the Akashic Records, Discover Your Soul's Path Through the Akashic Records, and then How to Read the Akashic Records. That was a book that was going to hit me on the head off the shelf. There's that. Um, and then, um, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, then there's my website. You want me to share that? I mean, I don't know. Okay. So my website is um, spirittherapybymary.com. And it's interesting. The records gave me that name. Um, I wanted just spirit therapy, but they were like, no, you got to do by Mary. So whatever, that's what it is. So it's spirit, S-P-I-R-I-T-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y by by mary m-a-r-y.com so that's my akashic records website and there's you can contact me and read things there um 
And, you know, I, you know, I, don't, I have to say, you just have to Google search it. There's no one source. Um, you know, I, I am going to begin to dig into Madame Blavatsky. What's interesting is I live in Ojai, California. I did not know, this is another thing that's kind of trippy fun. I did not know where I was really in Ojai and what's going on here, but the Theosophical Society, one of their bases is here in Ojai. And Madame Blavatsky was the founder of that. And there's also a high school that's based on one of her um, colleagues at that time that also believed in this idea of an esoteric, a divine realm where things are recorded and that we can access. I had no idea that I was here in this portal of this belief system that I actually work in until recently. So because I just met theosophical people and I went to the Kratona, it's called, and Krishnamurti centers here, the foundation. These were folks that were all delving into this world and, and bringing it to us in their way, right? As, as theologians, I guess, or philosophers, certainly authors. And so um, I, I would encourage, like, I know, uh, I think that Edgar Casey talks about the Akashic Records. You can look that up. Um, Madame Blavatsky definitely... Um, that's heavier reading, I believe, but I would delve into that. You've been listening to our series, Open Heart Conversations, recorded here at the United Palace of Spiritual Arts. Please visit us in Manhattan or online at upspiritualarts.org. Until next time. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 